Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. Today's message will give you biblical keys on how to see, give, and receive God's grace. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. This is week two of a series called Grace Like a Flood. And I don't know if you were here last week, but if you were here last week, um, God wrecked everybody. Like, like it, was, it wasn't a thing, like if you were breathing, that message, the sermon, the truth of God's word touched your heart. And if you weren't able to watch that, please go back and watch it. But today, um, we're, we're on a journey. We're on a six-week journey for God to, um, I just say, ravage our hearts. Like to literally rip off religion and comparison and all of these things. But it comes through the understanding of grace. And we learned last week that grace is, and if you aren't here, you need to write this down. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Don't ever forget that because the enemy will try to make you feel like somehow that God is not pleased with you, that he's, that he's mad at you, that he, he doesn't want good things for you. But literally the overarching theme of the Bible and everything that God has said about us is it's that he's extended grace, his undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor, kindness, and goodness. And I want us to look in the, in the scripture in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, and we're going to read it in the amplified version and amplify it. But the Bible says, for it is by grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. It's God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. That's amazing. And it's only through your faith. Like I need everybody to stop and realize that the only thing that you have to do to be able to experience eternal life and walk in the freedom that God has for you is put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I know that goes against religion. And I know that that goes against all the people who try to control you with mechanisms. No, you need to stop doing this and you need to start doing this and you need to do this. Those are all man-made things. The Bible tells us that when we put our faith in Jesus, that we get to experience grace. Somebody say it again. Say grace. Grace. It's going to become your new favorite word before this is over. Okay. You get to experience grace. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works. It seems like he's trying to get us to understand something. Like like they're saying the same thing over and over again because many of us think it's how many Bible scriptures we read that makes God love us Or, or how much offering we've given or how many hours that we serve that maybe God checks me a little higher on the list because of everything I've done. And this scripture is telling you, it's not because you sing well. It's not because your children are well behaved. It's not because you married a superstar that God loves you. It's because you're his and you put your faith in him. And it says, it's not as a result, verse nine of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. Now, this is funny to me because I had a situation happen to me at the mall last week. I had a guy come up to me and tell me that he did not believe in what we preached here at the church. He said, I, I believe basically in the Old Testament. Like, I'm woke. Y'all know people who woke. Like, he's like, I'm woke. Like, like I, I, I believe what the Old Testament, I believe in the law. He literally said, I believe in the law. And then he proceeds to tell me how he overspent in the mall that day. And, and he had a budget but he went over budget. So let me say it like this. He had a law that he put in place for himself, only spend this much. And he couldn't even keep the law that he put in place. 
Now, how could we keep the entire law that was put in place in the Old Testament if you can't even keep your own laws? Many, okay, how many of us have said we're going to stop eating bread or sugar and we go back to eating bread and sugar, okay? All right, let me, some of y'all, y'all being fake. So let me ask y'all, how many of us have said that we are going to stop talking to somebody we like and somehow we end up back in relationship with those people? We can't even keep our own laws. So how do you think that you're going to be able to keep every Old Testament law? And so God is so good that he knew that, that he said, I'm giving you a free gift called grace that will no longer make you a slave to the law, but make you a slave to the love that I have. Like, like to make you so enthralled with me that you will no longer serve me out of, oh, fear of maybe I'll break the law, but I want you to serve me out of love. Yeah. And it says, this is not a result of your works or your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Like that's the thing you got to understand. We don't save ourselves. This is his salvation that we get to participate in. Like you've never seen somebody drown and being like, oh, I'm about to save myself. The, The person who saves them is usually outside of the situation, is usually in a greater position than they are, and they are able to use what they have to help someone. That's God. And, And we're the ones drowning in sin. We're the ones drowning in comparison and guilt and frustration. But God says from another position, from a place that is higher than what we could even imagine. He says, I'm going to save you because this is not you. This is my salvation. The Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible explains grace like this. It says grace is the dimension of divine activity, activity that enables God to confront human indifference How many of us have been indifferent about something? Like we knew the right thing, but it's like, I don't really care. Okay. And rebellion. Now, nobody likes to talk about this, but how many of us have been rebellious? And when I say rebellious, I mean like you knew the right thing and you knew the consequences and you just chose to do the wrong thing. Okay. Now now watch. God confronts human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and bless. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Like every time you decide to be rebellious or indifferent, God says, I'll forgive you for that. And I'll still bless you even despite that. Like, like, and I know that's hard for many of us to even conceive because we don't even have a filter like that. I think the saying goes like this. You mess over me once, shame on you. You mess over me twice, shame on me. You mess over me three times, I'm going to kill you. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to kill you. Like, some of y'all, we don't even let people get to a third time. But God says, every time you you mock me, every time you use my name in vain, every time you make a promise prayer. Oh, y'all know what promise prayers are. Y'all know when when he said, God, if you get me out of this situation, I promise. And all of us, everybody in here has broken a promise prayer to God. And he doesn't throw us away or put us in a place. He says, I have an inexhaustible ability to forgive you and to bless you. Can somebody just take a moment and thank God? Come on, somebody. God, we worship you. Thank you for your grace. And the reason this is so vital to understand is because if you don't perceive God like this, 
then it makes your actions and your thoughts about God ones that don't line up with the truth. And, and, and this is something that I realized in my life now, like something may be the truth, but if it's not your perception, it doesn't matter. Like, like what you perceive is ultimately what you react and how you act upon. And, and, and so many people um, don't understand that God really is a loving God. They perceive something different. A lot of people perceive that God's mad at them. A lot of people, I'm, I'm literally, I counsel people all the time that feel like God is waiting for them to mess up so he can punish them. Like it's almost like the bully at school. Like if you do the wrong thing, I'm gonna get you. And, and, and we may not say that, but that's how we respond Be, because the, the, the Bible is telling us truth, but what we perceive is something different. I'll just say it in one step, one statement. Perception is your ultimate reality, even if it's not the ultimate truth. And your reality dictates your actions. So if you don't see God as a good, good father, we, we sing the song, we know it's the truth, but if we don't perceive him as a good, good father, we don't love him and respond to him in that same way. And so I just want everybody in this room that's hearing me, that's watching online, I want you to see God right. Because if you see God right, then you'll be able to respond to him right. And there are many people, if they knew how much God really loved them, if they perceived him right, there would be not a seat in a church in the world because everybody wants a loving God that will look past their faults and see their need. What does everybody want in a real relationship? Like, I want to know, will you be down for me if we go through hard times? Like, what do we say? Like, I need a ride or die chick. Like the only person in relationships who's uh, has actually been able to keep the title ride or die is Jesus. Wow. Think about it. Wow. Like think, oh, that's good. Think about it. Like he's the only one that said, I will look past their faults. And matter of fact, I won't just ride with them. I'll die for them. And when you understand, like people that stay with people throughout jail sentences and through sicknesses and all that, everybody looks at that in the world's eye view and they say, that's real love. Wow. Because they stayed with them even though they didn't deserve it. That's right. that's good. And why then when it comes to God and, and what he did for each one of us, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. It's because... Many of us have the wrong perception of God. But once you get the right perception of God, you can start responding the right way. And this is, this is the funny thing is because when you got saved, many of you in this room, like it was amazing because you knew you didn't deserve it. Like, like I know when I got saved, I was like, Lord, you still love me. God, you're so good. Over and over. Over and over. Like you, you start doing it because it's like, yo. But somehow the enemy creeps in and starts telling us it's about our works. And somehow it was amazing grace when we got saved. But now somehow it turned into like, you know, but I do serve and I, and I do give. And, and yeah, I mean, I've given the largest offering I've ever given in my life this year. So that's why I'm blessed. And this scripture and this whole teaching is telling you God cannot love you any more than he loves you right now. Wow. And when you are trying to vie for position 
based on what you do, it's almost insulting because it's all about what he did. Like, like I don't do things for my wife um, out of anything except love. And God's saying, when you give, that's because you love me. When you serve, it's because you love me. When, when, you, when you help somebody else, it's because you love you. Not so that I can love you. That's already done. And so what I want you to realize is that we have to get this perception under control because the thing you got to realize is that as amazing as saving grace is, sustaining grace is that amazing too. Yeah, wow. like, no, I want to I say that one more time. The, the, the same grace it took you to get out of that situation and for God to save you is the same grace it takes for him to sustain you every day, every moment, every hour. And some of us were amazed at the beginning of our relationship, but for some reason, we feel like it's us now. And I came to encourage you. I came to tell you that God's grace is not just for the beginning. It's sufficient through your entire life. And so, so, so today, I want to title my message, um, I'm right with God. I'm right with God. Like, 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 I want you to, I want you to believe this as a believer because many believers don't believe this. And if this is not your truth, then you do things contrary to what God's word says for you. I want you to turn to Romans, Romans chapter four, verse one, and we're going to re read about our father of faith, Abraham today. And we're going to see if we can pull some truth about this and us being right with God. Um, it says, what then shall we say? about Abraham, our father, who has a founded according to the flesh. For it is Abraham who justified by works. He has something to boast about. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Everybody say, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. That is a good piece of scripture. And I know a lot of y'all like, uh, what did that mean, Pastor Mike? That's why I'm here. I'm your pastor. I'm your tour guide on this amazing journey. And I'm about to break it down. Okay, you got me? Okay, so, so the reason why this scripture is so amazing is because it's telling us what grace and works looks like in the sight of God. And, and honestly, if I was to go to Woodland Hills Mall right now or whatever mall is near you and just poll random people, like how does somebody get to heaven? Like most of the answers people would come back with, they don't have to be believers. They, just, they would just say, you have to do good things. Like do good things. And it would probably be summed up like this. Do more good than bad and you'll get to heaven. Like, like and how many of us know some good people who are not believers? Like, you know, good, I mean, they're good people. Like, and, and the only problem is God's standard is not good. It's perfect. And I need us to see this. So how will we ever get to heaven? Well, I got two questions for you. Um, and and I, I need y'all to be honest because we're a hot church, humble, open, and transparent. Okay, so I need y'all to be honest with me. How many of you, and, and probably not a lot of people will raise their hand, but how many of you have broken every law of God? Like, how many of you have broken every law? Okay, nobody, okay? So 
I got another question for you after I read James 2.10. Let's look at it. And the person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. So let me ask a different question. How many of us have made one little slip? Oh, come on. Some of y'all, y'all slip and slide. This ain't no one little slip. This is a slip and slide, okay? So what does this say, Pastor Mike? See, we try to put levels on this thing again. Well, you killed somebody. Well, you lied. Well, 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 you're in a homosexual alternate relationship, but you keep thinking about your brother's wife every time you see him. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm in your, I'm in, I'm in your business. I, I'm here for you today. What are you saying? Well, 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 they keep doing this. And God said, but you did this. And if you've made one little slip, even playing field. And see, the church, we, we don't memorize that scripture. That ain't on our, uh, our, post, uh, our postable, Instagrammable scriptures of the day. But why wouldn't we let the world know that? Because somehow we want to keep control to make people feel that somehow we may be better than them. Like we know a God that's got us on the executive level of life. And I know you're down there and I know you're struggling, but maybe one day you can get like me. And God says, I see y'all the same. Like right here. And until we perceive this properly, then we look at our righteousness and what God has done. We look at it wrong. So if God's standard is perfect and none of us, nobody in this room, nobody watching has been perfect, how do we go to heaven? Simple. We believe in the perfect one. Like, like this is what, that's why God created this entire thing so that we could be ones who believed in Jesus. And by our belief in Jesus, we get the free gift of God, the unmerited, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. Nobody deserved it. Everybody from the little white lie, which there's no such thing, to the person who is committing adultery. Everybody needs the grace of God. And when we receive this, we're able to find what God intended, not for Christians, but for the whole world. Look at Romans 4, 3, one more time. This is where we're going to get our three points for the day. It says, for what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God, that's one point, and it was accounted, that's the second point, to him for righteousness. That's the third point. But I'm going to work it backwards, okay? So we're going to start with righteousness, but we're going to hit all of these. So the question is, point number one, what is righteousness, okay? What is righteousness? And if I said, you know, Pastor DeMario, he's a righteous guy. He's righteous. Like, what would that mean in the natural? It probably would mean that Pastor DeMario is a good person, a good husband. He works good. He keeps his word. He does nice things for people. And, and, and he's an honest man. That's what it would sound like in the natural. And if that was your assumption, you'd be right. Like, that, that, that would be a correct assumption. But it's just not the only assumption. Let's just say when we talk about this thing of grace and works, I'm going to read some things and they may sound like riddles, but I want you to zone in right now and listen to what I'm saying and really register it in your heart. Is Demario righteous because he does righteous things 
or does he do righteous things because he is righteous? Think about it. See, the root word of righteous is right. So, so, so let's break it down a little further. Is he right with God because he does right things or does he do right things because through grace he has been made right with God? Like, like this is the whole difference between works and grace right here. Like I'm not righteous because of what I do. I've been made righteous and so now I do right things. And see, that's why everybody's trying to find the line of sin and what's, but it means that you haven't really received grace. You haven't really fallen in love with the one who took your sins because you're trying to figure out how much you can do and get by with instead of falling in love. And because you're in love, you want to do the right thing to please the person you're in love with. I know it's a lot and I know it's coming against your religion, but this is not about doing right. It's about being right with the one who is right. And this is what we have to believe as Christians, that I am right with God. When you believe I am right with God, it changes your actions. When I know me and my wife are right in our relationship, I can go and say stuff to her and, and, and be fun with her and do different things. When we're in struggle, when there's strife, there's certain stuff you just stay away from. Like, because I know I'm not right with her. And what ends up happening is many people, because they feel like they're not right with God, they don't say certain things to him. They don't talk to him. They won't, they won't come to his house. But the one thing I know about Natalie is no matter where we are and whatever situation that we're going through, I always have access to speak love into her life. I always have access to be able to give to her. I always, she can be mad at me, but I'll put out a purse and she'll be like, oh, big daddy. I mean, I mean, well, did I say that out loud? Um, anyway, what I'm saying to you is no matter what happens, because of my positioning in her life, that I'm always in right standing even if I say something dumb. (sighs) Like like when I made a covenant to her, it didn't matter that sometimes I'd forget to take out the trash. Like, like, Like there'd be some times where I'd say the wrong thing or she'd ask me how do I look and I actually would be honest and then then we were in trouble for the rest of the night. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, but that did not stop me from being in relation, being in right standing with her. The thing I'm trying to tell you is God factored in your mess ups and he said, you're in right standing with me. So even when you mess up, even when you do the wrong thing, even when you do, that does not take you out of this covenant. That doesn't mean you need to go around looking for something. I'm still the answer for your heartbreak. I'm still the thing that will fulfill your purpose. I'm still the one who will change the broken situation into something that'll give you life. But so many people, because they've done a wrong thing in the relationship, go outside of the relationship looking for the thing to fulfill them inside. And what God's saying is, you're not right because of what you do. You're right because of what I've done. Do you understand that? And this has changed me completely. This is why I'm so passionate because I was the guy who felt like my works made me worth it. 
Now, I'm going to say that again because many people are dealing with it. How good I play drums, how amazing my outfits are. How Like, I thought that that is what made me worth it to God because I've been told that's what made me worth it to people. But God's standard of worth was not based on what you could do. It was based on what he did. So when he sees you with your nappy hair, with your thrift store jeans on, with your bad performance, he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. I'm proud of them. I love them. I'll stand up for them. I'll protect them. I will go to bat for them. I'll even die for them. Like, yo, we got to get this. Because I talk to people every day that have a fight because they feel like they'll never measure up. And my question is, what are you trying to measure up to? Because when God looks at you and says it's good, who cares what anybody else says about you? The only thing I heard this quote one time that said the only thing that can define a thing is its creator. Why are we going around asking other creations who we are? Why are are we finding our validation of how many likes a creation gives us when our creator liked us, stepped back and said, it's good. And that's why it's not about what we can work. It's about the grace of God. Somebody said it's about the grace of God. Uh, and so this is what I want everybody to see. So what is righteousness? You write this down. Righteousness is right standing with God. Like that's the easiest definition. It's right standing with God. And now I want you to declare the sermon title. Somebody say, if you're a believer, say, I am right with God. Like you got to get this in your mind because every day the enemy comes to tell you God's mad at you. You looked at it. You said it. You did it. You're not enough. He's the accuser of the brethren. The only thing he can do is speak lie. Like if you hear the enemy, it is his native tongue is a lie. And so when he tells you you're not worth it, you're not qualified, nobody will come to that event. Even though God gave it to you, even though it's the truth, he'll lie to you. Even when we open opened up the third service right before I came out here on the third service. The enemy was like, nobody's out there. You're going to be preaching to yourself. And I was like, am I going to be preaching to myself? And God said, didn't I tell you to open the third service? Didn't I tell you? And so what you have to remember is no matter what the enemy says, I am right with God. Like, like, like you got church. I cannot, I cannot be more emphatic. Because more of the issues that we're dealing with is a level of us not believing who God's already said we are. Like it's not, it's not that we don't know, it's that we don't believe it. When the Bible says we're the head and not the tail, well God, why are other people getting promoted? I told you you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. I'm going, I'm working the plan out. Be patient. Trust me. Everything that God says is coming to pass. Like all these scriptures that we know is the truth, but obviously we don't believe it. And the reason we don't believe it is because we really don't believe we're right with God. And so that's why we start doing dances and doing new things. And some of y'all are so spread out serving God that you're about to lose your husband and your children. And God said, you don't even have to do that 
to feel loved by me. Like, come on, church. I know it's not sexy, but it's the truth. But today, I want you to believe and understand that you are right with God and he calls you righteous. I want to give you an example just, just to help people further get this. Uh, and, and let me ask you a, a question, okay? Can a righteous person do an unrighteous thing? Yes. Like a righteous person, somebody who believes, can do an unrighteous thing. Some of y'all did it last night. Um, ever since you've been saved, you have done unrighteous things. All of us have, okay? Let me ask you another question. Can an unrighteous person Somebody who doesn't believe, who's not put their faith in Jesus, can they do righteous things? Yes. They can give to the poor and do right things. Remember righteous, all it means is do, do right things. Like that, that's the, you're doing right things. Yeah, a person who's not saved can be philanthropy, do philanthropy. They can help people. They can do all of that stuff. Okay, so let's go. Does the righteous thing that the unrighteous person does make them righteous? I know some of y'all are like, huh? Peter Piper picked the peck of pickle peppers. Like, you're like, Pastor Mike, what are you saying? I, I, I'm just asking a question. When I do righteous things, but I'm unrighteous, does that make me righteous? And the answer is no. Like, like I can, if I don't put my faith in Jesus, but do good things, it doesn't make me in right standing with God. I, I'm going to give you a further illustration. Okay, let's say there's a guy. And he's not a believer, okay? Not a believer. He goes on a business trip, tells his wife and kids, I'll be back. He goes on a business trip. He has um, a meeting with some amazing clients. He has a bang up day. I mean, he signs the most clients he's ever signed. And in fact, he signs the largest client he's ever signed in his life. He leaves, goes back to the hotel, changes clothes, goes, feeling good about himself. He goes downstairs to have a dinner. He has a great dinner, filet mignon, asparagus, um, garlic mashed potato. I'm getting hungry right now. Uh, and, 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 and then he leaves the waiter a $50 tip because he's feeling good. Then he goes to take a walk and he's strolling and, and the kids are playing basketball and the ball goes over the gate and he catches it and he looks at it and he throws it back to him and they say, thanks, mister. And he's feeling good about his life. And then there's an old woman at the crosswalk that she has two bags of groceries and she's a little slow and a little older. And he says, ma'am, can I help you with that? And he basically didn't just walk across the street, but he walks the groceries to the woman's house and just blesses her. And on the way back to the hotel, he sees a homeless man on the street and he's asking for money. And he says, man, I understand your plight. I've had some hard things happen in my life. And he reaches in his wallet and gives him $100. Now, 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 I want you to think about like, this guy does not believe, but he's done a whole bunch of good things. Wouldn't we agree those were all like good things that he did, okay? Yeah, yeah. Good things. Now, let's say we have another man. He's a believer. He, he loves God, has the same type of family. He goes to Transformation Church. Let's give him a couple extra points, okay? So he goes to TC. And he goes on a business meeting and he meets with clients and it's the worst meetings he's ever had. He actually loses clients. And matter of fact, he loses his largest client, his, his most lucrative client, cuts the deal with him. He goes down in the hotel after that horrible day to have a lukewarm meal that basically he found a hair in his food. He left the place irate 
frustrated. He says, I'm going to cool down. He goes to have a walk. Kids are playing basketball. The ball comes over and he looks, he said, y'all trying to hit me. And so he takes the ball and throws it into the street and a bus runs over it. He said, that's what you get. And then he walks to the corner and he sees an elderly lady with groceries and he feels like she's being too slow. So he pushes her and she falls and she breaks her eggs and her hip. And he keeps walking back to the hotel kind of quickly because the cops is on the way. And he sees a homeless man asking for food and for money. And he says, man, why don't you get a job, you stupid bitch? And cusses at him. Okay, he doesn't go to Transformation Church. Let's, let's just go ahead and put that out there. But he is a believer. He doesn't go here because nobody here would do that. Okay, so, so he doesn't do that. But, but let me ask this question. Does the righteous deeds that the unrighteous man does make him righteous or in right standing with God? No. Like, like he never put his faith in Jesus, but he did a lot of right things. That doesn't secure his eternal salvation because he did right things. But please listen to this. And contrary to popular belief, does the unrighteous or the bad things, the bad deeds that the righteous man does make him unrighteous? No. He's still right with God even though he did wrong things. This is hard for people to believe because we want everybody to suffer at the level of what they do. And let me help you. There are consequences for every action. That man probably got picked up at the hotel by the cops. Do you hear what I'm saying? But that didn't change his standing with God. Ooh, and I know, and I know. He, he knocked down the old lady and her eggs. But God still sees righteous because he believed in what Jesus did for him. And I know, again, this is hard. That's why we got five more weeks of this or four more weeks of this, because this is going to take us coming out of a human perspective and coming up to a father God perspective. And the Bible tells us that's hard because he says, my ways aren't your ways. And my thoughts aren't your thoughts. And so I need us to, sit, to hear this. I am made righteous by my position, not my performance. Wow. No, you need to hear this. Some of y'all need to get it tattooed on your back. I am not made righteous by my performance. I am made righteous by my position. And when you understand that, You'll understand that, yeah, I may suffer consequences for things I do wrong here on this earth, but God still sees his son. Just think of the prodigal son. He took his father's inheritance, went and squandered it on, most theologians believe, on hookers, on, on gambling, on, on frivolous living. But the father never disowned him as his son. Like he never said, <laughs> you remember the brother you used to have, he would stand out every morning, grace, looking to extend the unearned, unmerited, undeserved. He did the wrong thing. Favor and kindness of a father to the son who did the wrong thing, who acted unrighteously, but it did not change his position in the family. Ah, oh, 
Church, until we believe this, we look at people on the street who smoke as less than us instead of as my brother and sister. You look at the person who's walking into the gay nightclub as an enemy instead of your brother and sister. Just because they're doing the wrong thing does not mean they're not in the family. When they believe. And church... If we don't get anything else, we have to be ones that take our perspective from this low-level, comparison-driven, I'm going to outdo you, keeping up with the Joneses mentality of grace and Christianity, to, you know what? This is the gospel of salvation, and I'm going to tell as many people as I can that there's a free gift that our daddy has left them, that if they would just open up their heart and receive it, it would change everything in their life. So what is righteousness? It's right standing with God. Second question, did Abraham earn it? Now, now this, is, this is where most of us are like, yeah, he had to do something for this. Let's read Romans 4.2. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. <laughs> for what does the scripture say? Abraham, everybody say believed. This was his act of salvation, was not to do a whole bunch of changing. It was to what? Believe. He believed God and it was accounted. And I want everybody to see that word, accounted to him for righteousness. For righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Debt. This word accounted is the same word. How many of y'all had to take accounting class? Like that was a, yeah, I frustrated. Um, but that word means to keep record or debt of debits and credits, okay? And so this scripture is saying to us that, that, that God is, is asking um, did Abraham do something for God that made God in debt to him? And he was like, no, 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 no. That's why God gave grace because, because God's not going to be in debt to nobody. So, so if we did good works or if we did good things and, 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 and God had already made a way for us, then, then he would have to owe us. And so let me break it down to you in a different way. If you had a painter come to your house, and do a job, painted your whole house. Now you're in debt to him until you pay him. And God was saying, if you do good works for me, I'm not going to be in debt to you. So I'm, I don't want to do all this accounting. I'm just going to pay for everything. Like, like I, want you, I want you to see that. He said, I'm, we're not going to be playing tit for tat. Well, you cussed here, so that's minus three. But then you gave here, so plus four. But then you lustful all the time. So minus 20. Like he, he said, let's not play this accounting game. I'm going to give you grace and you don't deserve it and you can't earn it and it's unmerited and I'm going to pay for everything. So this whole accounting thing, we can throw it out the window. I wish somebody would have told me that in college, but, but we're going to throw it out the window and you don't owe me anything except to believe that I did it. And when you believe I did it, your account is taken care of. Like, like, like I need y'all to see this because God wants us to live right with God. He wants us to live righteously. And so I'm going to give you an example of it. Let's go to my trusty um, whiteboard right now. Because until we see this, sometimes probably the last 30 minutes has been just words for you. I think this is going to change everything for you. 
We need the account. Let's, let's, let's have three accounts, okay? These are three accounts. And we need the account of a bad person, a good person, and a perfect person. Well, we know the only perfect person is Jesus, okay? He, he, he lived a perfect life. He died in our place. He, he did this whole thing, and he did it perfectly. Now, we need the account of a bad person. And I don't know, just for kicks, We'll just go ahead and put a guy that I know up there who was a bad person, me, okay? I was a bad person before I came to Christ. Now we need the account of a good person, okay? And not because I'm trying to get any brownie points or dinner tonight, but Natalie. She was a good person. And, and, and this is um, the accounts of a bad person, a good person, a perfect person. So let, let's put it like this. Righteousness, Okay. Like, that's right standing with God. R-I-G-H-T-E-O-U-S. That's right, right? Okay, I'm hooked on phonics still, but the Lord uses me. Um, and then S, we're going to use as sin, okay? So what did my account look like before I believed in God? Sin, 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 living sin, talking sin, watching sin, messing with sin, doing sin, having sin, want some sin, eating sin, just sin everywhere. Like it was just sin everywhere. Like, like this is what my account looked like. Don't judge me because your account, but no, this is bad. Okay. But I did some right things. I did some righteous things. And so there's a, a few little R's, the little, little bitty little, little R's. You know what I'm saying? I, I helped and I served in my youth group. Like there's some righteous things, but for the most part, sin. Now, Natalie, she was a different type of child. Like, like her mom, like if her mom said she was disappointed in her, she would start crying. Me, my mom could say she's disappointed all day. She had to beat me three times to get me to cry. You hear what I'm saying? Like, and so Natalie did good things. And so she did, her account looked more like this. Like, righteous, righteous, righteous. Oh yes, mom, whatever you say, I'll do this. Yes, yes. And, and what ends up happening there is because all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God, there's sin there too. So, so there's some sin, let me... S, <laughs> S, like, like it's just, it's not. And what did Jesus's account look like? It just looks like righteousness. That, that's it, okay? So, so these are the accounts of, of people. Now, now I want you to see what Isaiah 64, 6 says. It says, but we are all like an unclean thing, okay? And all of our righteousnesses, that's every right thing that we could do, are like filthy rags. So, so maybe, maybe these R's aren't standing for righteousness. Maybe these R's are standing for rags. So compared to Jesus's righteousness, when he looks at me, he sees sin and rags. When he looks at Natalie, he sees rags and sin. He doesn't see righteousness. And so most of us think that the good people 
are, are somehow in this category. But Jesus says, all I see when I see it as I see rags and sin. So what did God do? And this is so exciting. This is why understanding grace is so important for every person in this room. This is why what you've been through is not summing up what God has done for you. This is why what Jesus has done is more amazing than anything you could ever believe. Because what Jesus did by obeying the Father, so we have Jesus back over here. And what he had was righteousness in his account. And Michael, guess what Jesus sees or what God sees when he looks at me? One big S for sin. Natalie, he sees one big sin. Abraham, let's just bring our father of faith in here. One big sin. You, I'm just going to put you in here. One big sin. All of our accounts have sin in them. Every one of us, except Jesus. Now look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here's what happened 2,000 years ago. God took righteousness and he took it. Look, look, I want everybody to see this. He took it from Jesus's account. He erased righteousness when he came to die for us. And he put sin in Jesus's account for all of us. Prove it to you. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. No, you got to see this. He literally took the perfect human and the perfect one who did this right. And he knew no sin. He made him sin, not just because he made him sin for us. That we might become, what, what should we become? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Y'all. So when Jesus came to the cross, he bore all of our sin. And what did that do for you? It took and erased sin out of your account. It took and erased sin off of your life. It took and erased sin off of your conscience. But this is the thing that we have to understand. Now you don't have sin, but you don't have righteousness either. So, so what, how do I get righteousness into my account? What did Abraham have to do? Did he have to earn it? I, I got to work to get righteousness in my account. All he had to do was believe. Like, Y'all, I know, I know it's hard to understand how God would be this generous to people who don't even like him that much, but it's because we're his and he created us. And even if you have a kid that get on your nerves, it still has your last name. It still is your child. You still go into those parent teacher conferences. Like I'm so sorry <laughs> because they are yours. But this is the part where it gets itchy for religious people. The blood of Jesus didn't just erase the sins of Transformation Church or Christians or believers. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he erased the sins of the whole world. Now, yeah, the person you don't like, what Jesus did, erased sin from their account. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing, and that word means accounting. Not, not accounting their sins or trespasses against them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God didn't do it just for us. He did it for the entire world. But pastor, everybody's not going to heaven. Correct. Because God gave everybody choice. I'm about to drop some knowledge on you that, that, that everybody has to be able to receive. And this may be a shocking statement for some people, but people don't go to hell for sin. Jesus already paid for that. They go to hell for unbelief. Like, like, like this is why the church is so backwards because we're trying to make people work to prove to us that they're good enough to be a part of our exclusive God club. And he died for the entire world. So people don't go to hell for, 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 for sin. Jesus took sin into his account. They go to hell because they don't believe he did it for them. Y'all sit with that, wrestle with that, pray about that. Go look up the scriptures, try to find it. Because until once I got this, once I understood this, then I understood scriptures like there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Like you don't even understand that scripture if you don't recognize there's not death, not life, not, nothing in this present age or the future. Because once I put my faith in Jesus, it's locked down. Like, like what y'all want? I'm secure in him. So, so, so. There's no sin in our accounts, but there's also no righteousness. So, so what happens is when I was a young adult and I was stopped playing church and I really asked Jesus into my life, righteousness came in. When Natalie was a young girl and she asked Jesus to be her Lord and Savior, righteousness came into her life. When Abraham was 75 and had been through hell in his life and he believed, righteousness came into his life. My question for you is has righteousness entered your life? Are you right with God? And today, it's not you doing a whole bunch of gymnastics and saying what you're gonna quit and making false promises. All Abraham had to do was believe. And that's my last point. What did Abraham have to do? What do you have to do? Believe. What do you have to do, no matter what you're in right now and what's going on in your life, to know that you're in right standing with God? What do you have to do? Believe. No matter what comes, no matter who leaves, no matter what situation, to know that you are right with God. What do you have to do? Believe. And that's all I came to tell you today is that the grace of God is unmerited, undeserved, unearned, 
And when you receive the grace of God, you get the ability to be in right standing with him, right with him. And your actions or your works don't make you right with God. Your belief in him makes you right with God. And because you're right with him, then it changes your actions. It starts to talk about faith without works is dead. Because when I really start believing in God, then I want to do works that are good works to show that our relationship is real, to show that I truly love him. This is not just something I'm doing as, as a get out of hell free card. This is something that I'm doing because I love the one who first loved me. What I want us to know as a church is we're not going to be the church and the body of believers that are trying to make people scared of dad. That's played out. That's why they're not at churches today. What we're going to do is be living epistles that let people know that all you have to do is believe. And when you believe, God accounts your life with him as righteous. And can I help somebody else? Because I, I hear somebody saying, well, you don't know what I did, Pastor Mike, and you don't know how bad I was. Abram was a heathen. Like, like, like if you read, the, he did not come. People are like, well, he was from the tribe of Israel. and da, da. No, Israel was his grandson. Like, like, like it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name got changed to Israel. Like that's where the children, he was, he was from a heathen nation. They didn't believe God. I mean, okay. Cause some of y'all think that, no, we act like these Bible characters are superheroes or something to be like, no, they were real people. Like his wife was beautiful and he came into a city and he lied, lied and said that his wife was his sister. So the king could basically take her and sexually abuse her. This was before he believed and God still calls him the father of our faith. Why? Because when he sees Abram, he does not see Abram. He sees Jesus because he believed in Genesis 12. You can go read it. And some of y'all say, okay, it was, it was before he believed, but after he believed, some of y'all know after he believed, he slept with the housekeeper trying to make the promise of God come to pass. Like he committed adultery after he believed. Why didn't God throw him out? Why is he not? Why is he still in the Bible? Because your performance does not change your position with God. There was a consequence. He had to deal with real issues. He had baby mama drama. Okay. But God still looked at him and said, from you, I'm, you're going to have descendants and still blessed him with Isaac. Like, what, what are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? Is if you believe in God and what Jesus, the finished work Jesus has done for you, he still has an inexhaustible ability to forgive you and to bless you. I am right with God. Can I pray with you? Father, I thank you for every person listening to what has been said today. Father, and I know they're wrestling with religion and wrestling with worthiness and wrestling with what they felt about themselves. But today, God, I'm asking you, Father, to do something in every person, Father God, that is amazing. Let us believe you. <laughs> Let us believe your word. Let us believe, Father God, that it's more about our positioning with you than it is our performance. Father, let us really step into grace and not just our works. Father, and let our good works speak of how much we love you, not how much we're scared of you 
and hoping not to go to hell and hoping we don't make a misstep. Father, you factored in our fumbles. You factored in our missteps into grace. And thank you for sending Jesus to take the payment, to, to take the sin that we would make in our account. Thank you that he took it upon the cross and he bore it so that we could live free. God, I come against lies of the enemy that are trying to tell people that this is not for them. God, I'm speaking to the thing that you have called us to be and I'm asking it to come alive in us that we may truly be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let us never believe another day that we are not right with God. And Father, let us extend the grace that we have now received. We believe you and trust you for it. In Jesus' name. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us forward slash give. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this one. Now go and live a transformed life.